1: Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: Yes! What is up, everyone, and welcome to Everson Heidman's Favorite Podcast and Soccerway Trust. I'm Jimmy Trash Can, Cream Cheese Conradinho Conrad, also known as Jim, and I'm here with the heartbreak kid, Hollywood Heath Pierce. And we're talking transfer news, we're talking Americans abroad, the little weekend recap at the Premier League kicking back in the championship, the air to VC. We got well, Leagues Cup highlights to talk about Heath Pierce. We got our U-15s dominating Mexico. There's just a, a ton of, of stuff for us to, to get into. But uh how was your weekend, dude?
1: How was how's how the last couple of days been for you from like a family perspective? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's been good, man. My my actual actually, my daughter has her first um uh she's on her first competitive soccer team. So they have like a tournament, you know, it's her first ever. Are you like, coaching? Tournament. No, I'm not coaching, but um but but I I did find a good coach, which is like kind of cool. I hadn't had that experience. Like my experience with the kids up to this point. I'll make this short, Jimmy. Don't worry. Um, was not worried. I'm not was not great coaching, right? And we know coaching is a major issue in the US, but at the rec level, just like instill like some some like fundamentals and have fun right um right right and and finally found someone here that was coaching one of the teams and like you know came to introduce himself to me and and before he introduced himself to me introduced himself to my daughter and like made her really comfortable and like instilled like this fun and enthusiasm and energy and i was like oh this is amazing and since then she's like started loving soccer again and she didn't really like it much uh with what she was doing so yeah she got her first first tournament this weekend and um Yeah. So it'll be a fun week uh, leading up and school starts again. So that'll be a nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's coming up for sure. And uh, I think it's cool. The power of a teacher, of a coach and just how Mm -hmm. much positive energy and positive vibes make in terms of the perspective of the kids and or students that are interested in a subject or are kind of on the fence about a subject and how that type of just energy
1: alone and just a desire Mm -hmm. to be out there and excited to be out there Oh yeah, be the tipping I mean, point. Jimmy, you 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 you've you've seen it. We talk about our U 15s, like the the important, like you don't realize the power that you have to affect, right? When when you're in a position of power. I talk about all the bad coaches that I had as a player and, and some of the good ones as well as a pro player, right? Of just how much power they have over you. And you're getting paid to do it. And so when you're at a young age and it's like, you know, a lot of volunteers and some, you know, now you're getting right. more and more paid coaches because they're qualified and getting licenses, just how important and valuable that is. But, anyways, it was good. Yeah. How's how's it you're, you you got uh you got a semifinal? Uh, oh, man, we have a semifinal here. Yeah. Well, I have one, uh, well, tonight, Sydney time. Have which... you gone to a game in this tournament at all? Or is this the same as no. like you did in Qatar? You didn't catch one game?
0: No, I didn't catch one game. I'm, I'm here to uh, <laughs> educate the masses in an, in an entertaining way, I guess. Is the best way. here to way work, to boy. I, I'm, I'm doing it. But I, this tournament has been quite amazing. And I actually thought Sweden had a bit of a chance last night. And I was a little, little bit torn because since Sweden knocked out the U.S., I was like, do I want them to win it all because then it makes the U.S. look better because they lost to the champions? In theory, of course. Yeah. Or, or do I want them to get smoked by Spain because they knocked us out so they can suck it as well? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I was, I was a little torn. But Spain, different gravy. I think what's interesting about the Spanish team is that back in 2015, when the they, first Women's World Cup ever was in 2015. And this is the ninth iteration of the Women's World Cup. They got last in the group behind Costa Rica. And fast forward eight years, Heath, and we are Costa Rica is kind of in the same place, and Spain is out here winning and getting close to winning a World Cup. And, and not only that,
1: oh, beautiful! Place.
0: Yeah, aesthetically, they're pleasing to watch, and and they're deep, right? They've got yeah. these players: Salma Barreuillo comes off the bench and scores. She did it in the game before, and Alexia puteas who's the reigning. World Player of the Year or back-to-back World Player of the Year. She's not even starting for them. And actually, I think they look better when she's not on the team. And they're also winning at the youth level. And that gives me some concern for the women because mm-hmm. our youth teams aren't necessarily crushing it and, and competing for U-20s and U-17 World Cups where Spain is. And and these other emerging com- countries that, uh, that are getting themselves back into the conversation are actually starting to develop at a high level are are competing for these trophies too. And I think the U.S. has some reflecting to do. I think that's the best way to say it. But yes, aesthetically pleasing for sure with Spain. what Did you watch the game or see any no, highlights? No,
1: I mean, I, I saw the highlights. That's been two things for me. One, you know, I, I did a, at the, at the 2019 World Cup, I did a, a, a podcast and humble brag ended up winning British sports podcast of the year called Jeez, football inside was, out
0: the, in, really, the, the intro early for me here yeah, for this flight. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but we did we were like how do we do team previews do people want to hear the tactics do they want to dive into that do they want to know about whatever and we chose to do these human interest stories of like more about the team and their journey of like a team preview why you should care why you should watch right and the majority of those stories were about emerging nations right about they're not there yet but maybe the next one and you know here's a unique story about jamaica nigeria and like more tragic stories than anything. But now mm-hmm. fast forward. And while there's still uh, like a, a good amount of those stories that 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 need to be sort of eliminated from the game in terms of the challenges to, to, to play the game at the highest level, you're seeing how quickly countries like a Spain, who, you know, our interest story was around, you know, how the league was developing and how a, a, a rich guy didn't like Real Madrid. So he launched an Atletico Madrid or another Madrid squad for, for his daughter and like all these unique storylines. But that are leading to this like crazy, crazy, crazy yeah. quick development of the league. And then you're plugging that into infrastructure that exists before. It's just right. really cool to see very rarely because soccer is so historic on the men's side in a lot of ways that on the women's side, it's just really cool to see like history happen in a small window and see advances, which I think is an eye opener for uh, across the board, but at least a really positive sign, which I like.
0: No, I'm with you on that. I, I think what's interesting too is. We're not only talking about spain but J- japan's having a bit of a resurgence and i know they got beat by sweden but they were aesthetically pleasing and played a style and flexible
1: they were adaptable um tactically and well, really you're seeing, impressed by the way you're seeing cultural identity into the men's and women's teams right you saw that in right. the men's teams like why we play a certain way that's woven into the culture and you're seeing that on the women's side now Japan being a great example, like culturally woven into the sport if possible. Anyway, sorry for interrupting you a couple of times. No, no, I just, think, no,
0: really I just cool. think, but they won the, the U-20 World Cup in 2018. Yeah. And and now seven or eight of those players were on this team and were relied upon to step up. And Mi- Miwazawa in particular, she's still leading the Golden Boot Race. And and she was one of those players on the U-20 team. And Spain also recently competed. And I think they got to a final and, and are very close to to winning youth titles as well. So that's an important part of the process. So that's just a big question for the US women's national team. Can we get back to prominence on all levels? Because it's going to take us a while, I think. And then let's fast forward to the semi that's happening. Australia versus England. Australia I think have been propelled that's I think I think they've really actually taken on this pressure of being the host nation in a positive way. New Zealand did as well, right? They started off hot and kind of tripped up against the Philippines where they should have probably done a little bit better and then and then fell off and couldn't get the result that they needed against Switzerland to 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 get through but australia despite losing sam kerr figured out a way to have success as a host nation and it's fun to be here and to see how they've been managing that and dealing with the expectations and pressures and it's been awesome and i wonder what we can learn the u.s canada and mexico when we're hosting in 2026 from the host nation and what's interesting is they're playing england tonight who won the euros last summer by hosting that tournament and and there's something about hosting a tournament that i think really steps up. And, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. And, and the number one thing that I'm seeing is you have to put up performances that inspire the nation. You can't just scrape through. You know, th- that's what Australia did in their first game against Ireland. It was kind of nervy. They did what they needed to do, scored on a penalty and won 1-0. But then they had a lead against Nigeria in Game 2, the group stages, and they lost that one. <laughs> but they came back and responded by beating a pretty capable Canada team who were the reigning Olympic gold medalists and won 4-0. And that was the... That was the one, I think, that gave themselves belief that they had a pretty good team and could do things without Sam Kerr. But also, they showed the nation, hey, we're we're not slouches. And I think any host nation needs to have that one inspirational performance that starts to get everybody to buy in and believe. And the hard part is you don't want to start that momentum and then lose in the round of 16 or whatever it is. So right. fair play to Australia for really grinding out and playing pretty well and starting to build off of that 4-0 result against Canada. But that inspirational performance, I think, is so key if you're the host nation.
1: Well, you look at England, also, going back to 2019, losing to the U.S. women in the semifinals, and uh, just that, you know, they kind of rode this wave of, like, the it's coming home thing from 2018 to 2019 and just really galvanized an entire nation that helped to drive the the growth of the sport in a lot of ways, which is really cool. And then to see that actually continue now of, like, a groundswell that's inspiring a nation, like, England went into this tournament as one of the favorites to win it, right? And now here they are, uh, a a match away. But the expectations were set far before that, right? It's not just like a, you know, let's see if we can go on a run and get people behind it. Like they've been building that for a while, like you said, uh, with the Euros and then obviously a really good World Cup um, in 2019. So it's just kind of, it's cool to see that sort of inspiration um live up to the expectation because you know how quickly it can it can it can fall apart when you on un- when you underperform in the way the US women did this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there and obviously it's a big conversation that we'll have over many years here uh, and just in general for the sport in the U.S. as we have the run-ups to Copa America and then the obviously the FIFA (laughs) Club World Cup in 25 and the Men's World Cup in 26. All right, well, we got some breaking news because Ricardo Pepe just scored, so if you're watching this live, we appreciate you hanging out with us, but he just scored his first goal for PSV. It was a penalty. He came off the bench this past weekend. It's a nice way for us to segue into Americans Mm -hmm. abroad and how everybody performed. Came
1: on at half today. Yeah,
0: Came on at half today, came off the bench uh, against Utrecht for a couple minutes. Uh, Obviously can't have too much of an impact there, but scored. And I love that he had the responsibility to, to step up and take the pen, uh, clearly making some inroads there. Malik um, Tillman is also at PSV. Didn't by get the in. way, I'm a little annoyed it's that perfect. they went into
1: this. They went into this game with a with a, with a good uh, aggregate, and they didn't start Ricardo Pepi uh, for the second one. But whatever, dude. Whatever,
0: whatever, whatever. You know what? He's going to have to earn it, and that's just kind of how it goes, especially yeah. for Americans Absolutely. abroad in particular. So let's run through this. Uh, PSV did get that win against Utrecht over the weekend. Uh, Anthony Robinson. Let's get into the Premier League and Tim Ream. They wanted Everton, and what well, I found interesting about this game was it felt like Everton were targeting Tim Ream a little bit and had a lot of success, especially in the first half. They should have scored Everton. I think their xG was crazy if you're into expected goals, and uh, I believe that that uh, Fulham's was .5 or .35 or something wild, and they still found a way to get a 1-0 result. So shout out to Marco Silva who's clearly a tactical genius, and I don't know if he gets the respect that he deserves. So maybe he does, but we're just going to bring some more shine
1: to him. Uh, terrific manager, well, I think. Think, I think about he, team I, building. It's it's a huge thing yeah. when you get results like that, right? Like it, it, early on in the season, when you find out how to like scrap scrap, and fight and claw and not know that like it's going to be a battle every single week for this team.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and uh, they definitely have adopted that Mentality, but fair play to him. Going to Goodison Park, especially opening game of the season and getting results. Mm-hmm. I, I thought Everton deserved a goal, but didn't get it, and that's the way it goes. Uh, moving on, we had Matt Turner, who had, uh, as we just talked about in the last podcast, the unique Premier League debut by signing with Nottingham Forest and playing his former club at at the Emirates, and ended up losing two to one. The goals, he couldn't say bukaya Saka's. That was a that was a sick goal that I ended guess. up being the standing the, as the game winner. To make it 2 1, but uh, or it was make it 2 0, and they end up scoring late. But the first one, I don't know if he could have done any better. It was a bit of a deflection. I'm sure he'd want it back. And knowing Matt Turner, as, as we do, you know, pretty hard on himself to try to make every single save. And then he's an incredible shot stopper. So, you know, that was uh, unfortunate, actually, in some ways, for Forrest to have to debut at Arsenal. The house, that said, he actually made a couple good saves, and uh, they lost 5 0 at the Emirates last season. And... So it's an improvement that yeah. they're 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 making it a little bit smaller, that goal difference. Uh, I let's love go going ahead. into
1: the locker room and being like, it's better than last year as like <laughs> you know, you know, at the pro
0: guys, line. listen, we're improving. This is a sign of improvement. Um, we also had Sheffield United taking on Palace. No minutes for either Chris Richards or Austin trustee. I- I'm a little bit worried for for Chris Richards in some ways. Austin trustee. Obviously, this is a new experience. And so he's got plenty of time this season to his find hey. find his way into the eleven. But Chris Richards is a known quantity
1: at this point. I'll tell you this. Know. I'll tell you this, Jimmy. I uh, was in contact with, uh, you know, we're we're doing this Verizon Next Level that goes yeah. on 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 CBS Sports and Paramount Plus. We're doing the fourth season of that, and we reached out, and uh, we were. T- I was told. Chris Richards wants to do the content that we're going to do, um, but it's got to wait till after the transfer window. So whatever that means. Whoa, whoa, that's some inside scoop. That might be that might be the agents are too busy because I got wow. I got pushed onto the onto onto somebody else at the agency. There is that, I think he's at Rock Nation, um, and and it's that silly season, so maybe there just wasn't a focus on that. And I don't want to read right. into it, and I also don't want to burn like the the relationship of. of, of I the totally want to read. But into they it. did. They, 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 they did say, wait till after the transfer window, there was no smiley face. There was no wink, wink, no nod, nod, that, <laughs> but it was like a, you know, there was no, there was no emojis be, with the I sunglasses. Mean, it would be on. Foolish, it would be foolish for us not to think that like knowing he's in the situation, Anderson and gay, you're still there. One of them, at least one of them was expected to leave because they were really high performing last year. Um, uh, or at least some of the season when they're healthy, uh, both of them. Uh, so it would be foolish not to think that maybe there's a move out there for him somewhere alone or, you, or something.
0: Okay. Would you want to see Chris Richards in the championship, assuming that's the only place he could get some playing time? Because I, I think if he gets loaned anywhere else.
1: Um, but like, Bundesliga. yeah. The, the, that's right. I mean, he's really good at Hoffenheim. Um, and we know that we know what kind of player he is. It's just that he needs, he needs a full season of games, you know? Like, right right um, especially
0: if he yeah. wants to become a number like the number one option yeah. for the u.s i mean it could you be a big be club
1: won. in the championship um i wouldn't i wouldn't say like go and like roll the dice anywhere but one that has a chance to to make that playoff position i know it's a crap shoot after like one two three four but like right you know, if you're talking about one of these more well-known clubs that could that could be pretty good i, I haven't seen any leaks of of uh leaks leaks of links to uh <laughs> clubs um but yeah that would it it looks like it's probably going to happen. I would guess.
0: I, I think the Bundesliga would be a good shout. I wonder which club would be looking at him. I don't know. There's, there's all of them. Uh, Cause he's so good. That's true. That's a great point. Literally well everyone. All right. So that's our talk there at the premier league. Obviously we'll do our big previews for the upcoming weekend, along with all the other leagues that are starting, including the Bundesliga uh, on Thursday. Let's keep recapping though. In the air we talked about PSV Utrecht. That was two zero Malik Tillman, as I mentioned, unused uh, Taylor, Booth unfortunately came off for Utrecht. He limped off with a calf injury, subbed out in about the 41st minutes. I think Cameron so, Carter Vickers
1: got a calf injury as well. Uh, this week. He weekend. did. So mean, Cameron yeah.
0: Carter Vickers is going to be a, he got a hamstring injury at Aberdeen. So that's unfortunate. And I don't know. He, uh, he's gonna have might have to miss those Uzbekistan and Oman games and Greg Berhalter's return. It's a bummer on that. And I'm just this is me being facetious. I actually to want him to be as healthy as possible. Uh then Gago Salonina. Or I should say this, I'll say in Eredivisie, uh, Azad Alkmar, they beat Go Ahead Eagles, one of my favorite name teams, 5-1, and Georgi Mihalovic, he did uh, score the only goal in last week's conference league qualifier against Santa Coloma in the second leg, but he only came on for some garbage time in this one. And then in the championship, uh, or no, excuse me, let's say in Belgium, uh, or that area, Gaga Slonina, first game, Heath, five goals against Club Bruges. Hmm. in his debut he I gave up five that. goals he didn't score five goals to everybody he gave up five goals and and um i'll admit i didn't watch this one but i wouldn't watch the highlights so i'm like i gotta watch these goals and really see who gago sanina if he was you know if he, at, at, responsible or at fault for any of these first one was a penalty he almost got to it and saved it but didn't The second one was a deflection. Don't say he almost
1: got to it and saved it. He did not get to it. It's a penalty. Either you saved it or you didn't, Jimmy. He didn't, but he, I mean, he
0: dove the right way and was close. I'm just saying. I'm trying to like pump him up here. Deflection. Deflection, very similar to the Matt Turner one. Just, you know, there's not much he could do there. Now, this is the one that the third one is is a corner. It went to the far post and he came flapping for it and he missed. And then Tejon Buchanan headed it in. Canadian international Tejon Buchanan. Former New England Revolution, Tejon Buchanan headed it in. And the other one, first time shot from distance in the second half. He was probably screened from what I could see. The guy, he crushed it. And then the last one was a back post cross. He couldn't do much about it. He slid across and the guy did a pretty good job of finishing it. So I only really blame him for one of the five where I think he could have done better. The other ones, I think the guy's going to have a long-ass season because watching
1: that defending... I, I feel for Sonina this year. <laughs> that, does, that does suck. I, uh, you know, Mark McKenzie put out a post also before the weekend saying, "Hey, he's going to get off social media for a bit and take a little break." And I was like, "Damn it, what's going on?" Um, didn't start and didn't play in the game this weekend, so I'm guessing. Yeah, what's up with that? You know, I don't know. He was he was yeah. a sure starter last year, but you know how it is. Like, there's just nothing nothing guaranteed um, uh, in this in this brutal game, and so yeah, no, I didn't that's play. True. Uh, and that's just not what you want. I know there's some interest in him from a number of different, you know, like anybody who's had a good season in Europe, you're linked to, to all, all kinds of clubs and leagues and stuff. But um, yeah, less than ideal for for, um, you know, a player in our national team pool. Yeah,
0: I'm curious to see how that's going to play out for him because it feels like he's been there before. All right, let's turn it over now to the championship. And I'll go with Haji right first. He scored a goal off the bench for Coventry. It was off a set piece. Good, pretty, pretty good half volley to bury the most important goal of the game. Ended up making it 2-0 and I think gave Coventry some room to breathe. And then Josh Sargent going and assists in a 4-4 draw against Southampton. I love the fact that he doesn't have to compete with Timo Pukki anymore. I think Pukki's presence just always like, we got to find room for Pukki. And then Josh had to play different positions to kind of accommodate that. And now I think he's the out and out number nine of them and obviously he led Norwich in scoring last last season with 12 goals so him scoring in this particular game scoring the first goal of the game i think really setting the tone that hey i'm your guy and following through on that i think is going to give him a major confidence boost to start mm-hmm. uh this thing Norch travels to qpr and they play on wednesday nights so take a look at that it's the first first round of the efl cup so we'll see if Jar- sergeant even gets uh rolled out there but let's talk about josh because you know when he was healthy and played for us in the world cup I, he grew into the tournament and and was unfortunate to to pick up a, an injury before uh, you know the round of 16 against the netherlands
1: yeah i mean he he's one that again i just want to see consistently unfortunately for me like i i and maybe you feel differently jimmy i've always got mixed feelings just about the championship right it's, it's just like having played in a second division um, before in, in, in the second Bundesliga, you know how just how different it is. A lot harder in a lot of ways, and then different in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um, that I just hope that he can be like. I hope he can break out into a you know a ten and ten type of player this year. Uh, for them, but it, well, he's well in his way, I think he's,
0: he's set for 44 goals and 44 assists.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the data, the data backs, uh, he's going (laughs) to be the highest scorer in the championship, uh, ever. Uh, but, um, yeah, that one as well. I just think about, you know, again, when I think about the players this week, uh, this weekend, just got a lot of did not plays, a lot of did not dresses, a lot of injuries in terms of national team player pool. When I think about Brendan Aronson, same thing coming off the bench. Um in, in the in the German Cup, Busio off the bench again. Tanner Tessman actually played a lot. But when I think about, um, again, um, I'm blanking on him. Who we were talking about? At Norwich. Um, yeah, Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent. Like I, 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 I would love to see just like more this year over a season. We've seen when he when he hits a run of form, how good he is. We saw what what right. he could do in the World Cup. But I'd love to see I'd love to see that consistently at the club level, and then like just get out of the championship personally. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I've noticed respect to the championship. It's a really hard league, but like, maybe one of the hardest. For our goal scorers, for our strikers, like, you know, I'd like to see somewhere that's a little bit more predictable. I think, though, if
0: anybody's going to trust him, he's got to prove it here. Like, you're you're now the number nine. What do your numbers look like? And then that boost. Maybe Norwich gets promoted and just kind of takes care of itself, but we'll have to wait and see. All All right, right, we're going to take our first break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we got some transfer news to get into, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the soccer way trust. I'm cream cheese alongside the heartbreak kid. And we got some transfer news to get into Heath. Lots of interesting ones. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we're going to get to fuller and in here in a second. I think he's probably the biggest name of like, where's this guy going to go? And it's nice to see that Monaco is up their bid to potentially bring him back to league. But the one I find kind of fun is Jesus Ferrer de Cadiz in La Liga. Now, because there's a lot to unpack here. I'm I'm seeing that it might just be on loan, but I don't really feel like MLS does those types of deals regularly. So no. I'm curious to see how that's going to all play out and if FC Dallas would even agree to that, given that he's arguably one of their better players. So Cadiz are coming off uh, a 1-0 win to start La Liga, and they finished in 14th, I believe, last season. So yeah, mid-table team in Spain. They need to definitely bolster their attacking options. Uh, I looked to see kind of who was doing what. They got uh, Roger Matri, who's 32 years old and has been mainly with his career with Levante. Um, Doesn't score regularly, but but knows how to score. And he's got a lot of experience, obviously, playing in Spain. So you got him and you got Chris. um, I think Chris Gomez is who I found. Is that his name? Anyway, I'm looking it up here and he's 26, but a real journeyman. And he, these, I basically put these two names because they started this past weekend. And uh, his name, sorry, Chris Ramos. And he's 26 and hasn't really done all that much um, 16 games for Cadiz and only scored one goal. So it's not like he's lighting it up up top. But I think that when I start to look at who they have and the depth that they have, I think he could get in there and actually play. So that's why I gave you some of that context. But do you think that's a good move for him to, to try to get to a, like a mid table? La Liga team. In some ways we mm-hmm. saw Tati Castellanos do something similar. I know that he had the New York City football group or city football group connection. So that made it a little bit easier to make those moves. But he also went to a team that was going to have to struggle and compete to stay up and have success. And obviously Tati's turned that into, you know, moving to making a move to Serie A. So what what are your thoughts on this Jesus Ferreira news? Man,
1: I mean, I'm not against it there the problem is, is like the last two years they kind of just survived um you know positionally yeah they're they're closer to mid table but like you know they are were a cup they were a win of being safe yeah, of course, from, of from course. whatever at the end of the yeah. year which you know in some leagues like like la liga last year it was like seven teams you know that are that are going through that the year before that they just survived the drop um and then they were they were they were a little bit better the year before that in terms of being mid table i like the idea of it but it's hard right because how do you set a standard for a false nine or a striker in terms of the quality they have around him? Do they see him as a player that that can be? Uh, he's not going to be there. He's not going to be thirty goals a year, right? Um, so, what kind of player is he going to be? And how do we judge a player like that? Because ultimately, when we think about our player pool with a national team, we're going to judge every one of them against Florin Balogun and how good they are and how and their ability to score goals week in and week out, right? We know that he can do that at the MLS level. Can he do that in La Liga for a mid to lower mid table team? I don't know, right? What what what's the what's the bar you got to set at a more mm-hmm. difficult, I guess, team and league uh for us to be kind of happy and view that as like, oh yeah, he's he's playing regularly. Is that good enough? If if not, then then what are the stats he has to put up if he's playing regularly, you know? No, I'm with you on that. But it's and, a challenge. And- That's my whole point is like nothing's guaranteed, right. but like, you know, is there also maybe a bigger club's not the right move for him because he'll just get buried by depth. So, I don't know.
0: Well, speaking of Balogun, let's just transition over to him. Some interest there from Monaco, who have upped their bid to 63 million pounds, from what I understand. Wait. That's, that's, that's a that's a pretty big number. And I'm curious to see how he would do it, Monaco, because at least on paper, he would be surrounded with a little bit better talent than he, he was last season. And then when I look at what happened with Arsenal this past weekend, they have Gabriel Jesus hurt. Obviously, Eddie Inquettiya comes in, and then Eddie Nketiah scores. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure Inquettiya is like, I'm making sure I'm the the first guy to call if Jesus is hurt, or I want to push Jesus to be in the starting eleven. And that just doesn't—it's not good news for Balogun in particular. So, so, and I guess Tottenham might be sniffing around as well, which would be an interesting move to go from Arsenal to Tottenham. But we'll, uh, we'll we'll cross that bridge when it's time. But how do you? What? Let's just kind of extrapolate, or or speculate what it would be like f- for him to go to back to Liga and to Monaco in particular, because it would be a step up in club if he went back to France.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't mind that as a step forward. Um, again, can he fit with like to prove it one more season? With, yeah. With prove it one more players. season, better players around you, higher expectations with you as a player. We saw that with, with, um, with, uh, Jonathan David continue to have that output as he continued to be linked. But then you go, yeah. what's the next club? And then can he do it at that club Spurs? Why not? Uh, but at the same time, will that move not just be there in a year from now anyway? Like, is he going to play over Richarlison? Is he going to, you know what I mean? Is he going to get those minutes and those opportunities in in a what's generally, uh, I guess, a four two three one or four three three system? Like, is he going to be able to have be the single striker in that? Is he going to play underneath as a as a Madison? I don't know. Like, I that just yeah, feels yeah. like a. If that was the case why why wasn't that the case a month and a half ago when the window opened you know and August- Well
0: maybe because they needed the money from Harry Kane's sale to yeah. actually afford somebody I don't know.
1: Oh yeah and and look if they're going to spend that kind of money then maybe maybe that is going to give him the upper hand at least to give him a chance right? We've seen that with Richarlison and others like when you spend- But is
0: Arsenal really going to sell to Tottenham? I just don't I don't see it.
1: No. Unless, I mean he's been at the club was- a long time although he's never really been a he's never really played in the first team, I get so it
0: maybe but. but the last thing that I'm sure Mikel Arteta and Arsenal want is for Balogun to go kill it over at Spurs right. <laughs> that's fair so so I don't know I mean it would be pretty cool for him to to make that move because I think it would just add some intrigue and obviously some drama between the two clubs and I think he'd be motivated to do well and I like Ange Posigoglu I think the the manager there is, is a good one and very highly regarded the Australian moving from Celtic to, to Spurs but we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Did you see right, uh, so-
1: Jimmy real quick? Did you see Postecoglou's uh, comments about fantasy, uh, fantasy playing fantasy? No, It was like what basically he like he's he's dropped out of the fantasy league this year with his friends, and if any of them try to ask for inside information, like forget about it. And he's like, <laughs> That's and, then, and then basically said it's no longer a fantasy because I'm actually uh, like coaching, him. <laughs> uh, which that guy's is, amazing. Uh, yeah, it was incredible. Uh, it was incredible. And then they went on I, to I, draw with Brentford, but it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> I, I well, yeah, they they uh, had to leave. Brentford are good. Though. No disrespect. Well, especially away to Brentford, it's not an easy task. We've seen plenty of big clubs go there and struggle. But I, uh, yeah, I love that guy's vibe. I, I, I think he's the way that he carries himself, the way that he manages, even press conferences. You could see that what his personality. This is a glimpse of his personality. I wonder what he looks like when he's upset. But he seems like a a fun player or fun manager to play for, and uh, but maybe finds that right balance of not being like best friends with his players, but showing them a ton of respect where they feel valued. And I don't know if every coach has that. And again, that's probably a conversation for another time. (laughs) Let's keep the transfer (laughs) news going. Uh, Barcelona opting not to register Serginho Dest. Uh, Apparently, things are being reported that the club is considering terminating his contract, Heath Pierce, And he's not alone. Clement Lenglet is kind of in this purgatory with Xavi as well. And it looks like that uh, Ferran Torres and Ansu Fati might be uh, we're not to get too far into the weeds for Barcelona's transfer news, but uh, Joao Felix might be looking to come to the club, which means Ansu Fati front might be expendable. So a lot going on in general. Uh, and so Sergino Dest isn't alone, but getting your contract terminated seems like it might be the best solution for him. I don't know where that guy goes because I feel like he hasn't been wanted by Barcelona and AC Milan and you start to get this reputation about you. And that is hard to shake, and you need now somebody to give you a chance. And I don't know where that chance will be, Heath. And I don't know if you have—I don't know if you did any Verizon stuff uh, with Serginio Des, and he—he's <laughs> not returning your calls. You no. got the inside scoop? But I—I uh, I, not I, good I, days I, for Serginio Des, man.
1: No. And again, this is this is the worry, and and to go back to to even even the conversation about um, about uh, Jesus Ferrera like five, seven, eight years ago, we would have dreamed of a player getting to to that, right? At, at that age of like right. getting to a club like Cadiz and or Kadith, um, If if, you know, in terms of just a, a, another step forward to test themselves and push themselves. The issue that we're running into now is we constantly have this, like these monumental shifts of like, our players are stars and then our players don't play and then our players don't dress like in our player pool because they're all around relatively the same age. He was one again that was like, I don't know, six, seven, not seven, 16, 17, 19, 20 games or something his first season at Ajax and then became a big star overnight. And I don't think he had the tools to be able to just be a consistent starter. We saw what he could do on the ball, but he wasn't a winger with that ability. And he, you know, he's a defender. And now he kind of made these leaps that were a little bit too big, goes to Barcelona, doesn't, you know, had actually had some decent games, but also had some bad games as a young player, teenager. Well, Ronald
0: Koeman, the, the manager that brought him in, really valued. What he brought yeah. and his skill set, and then once Kuman left, and Kuman's actually commented post getting fired from Barcelona that he doesn't understand why they don't play Serginio Des. So clearly, you have to have a coach that can see your value and put you in, and, and and utilize that. Anyway, keep going.
1: Yeah, and and then obviously we know the story AC Milan, you know, and then not being registered there, and then now back to Barcelona not being registered. I do like the idea of clubs that are it's better that they're following the financial uh, capabilities by almost canceling the contracts, which basically they would have to pay these guys out to force him to leave so that they could bring in other players, but also try to say, Hey, you're not part of the plans. You're not going to just hang out here in the locker room. I would like to, I would like to see him go back to, to, to Holland, the Netherlands. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against that um, uh, for him or a club like that. You know, he doesn't, he's kind of floated at the top tier of the 1% of clubs and he's not there yet. Clearly like what's the click back that he can go to and just Actually do you think there's an ego thing? I don't.
0: I don't know Sergio at all, and I don't really know.
1: You know I'm sure there's his. ego involved. You know, nobody doesn't I mean, think that they're not good enough to play at Barcelona.
0: Um, no, yeah, but I, I, you have these two setbacks, and then, you know, him going back. Let's say he goes back to like a PSV, or even goes back to Ajax. I mean, you're gonna do it with your tail between your legs because
1: you didn't perform. You oh. know, you got you had your chance, and you didn't take it. We look at it through the lens of Sergio Destart, one of our stars of our national team. The rest of the world looks at it through the lens of a young player who hasn't proven himself and therefore needs to go back a step, right? That happens everywhere all the time with young players. You're talking about Ansu Fadi um, in the same conversation as Serginho Dest. But Serginho Dest is one of 50 young stars that you don't know. And I was actually talking to somebody recently about young players. And the reality is, is no matter what, you don't know what a player is going to become. You can nurture them. You can guide them. You can put them in the right environments. What's the right environment? What's the right thing? What's the right position? What's the right way to address them? What's the right way to develop them? But ultimately, you don't know, right? Because you're not inside the brain or the mind or the body of that player. Um, And so it is a toss-up in the end. And he moved a little bit too fast, a little too far. And I think, one, we're seeing a different player in terms of confidence. But two, maybe a player that just needs a couple good seasons of playing somewhere. you know. And maybe that's not... One of the big two in Netherlands, maybe it's a Ahset oh, Dokmar or uh, no disrespect, um, or uh, or a you know um, final well, yeah, yeah. yeah, Um or as yeah. the Ajax fans call F word um, um, <laughs> for the name of that club. But yeah, there's 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 a lot of clubs that he could fit into. It's just a matter of like, does that club? He's a very style of play specific signing. You know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he he does play defense, but there he brings us something different that I think very few attacking defenders have, but with that comes a trade-off.
0: Um, right, right. Yeah, very curious to see. Obviously, there's uh, two weeks left open in this transfer window, and I I uh, am really looking forward to seeing where he goes, where he ends up, and and how settled or at peace he is with that. But he still has to prove himself. No matter where he goes, he's going to have to prove himself, but it might be a step back, as you mentioned. So two more transfers here, Heath. Uh, first one, let's go quickly. Cade Bologna in Serie A. ESPN is reporting that uh, the club has made a revised offer to the San Jose Earthquakes that could rise up to $5.5 And I love that he's with Lucci Gonzalez right now with San Jose. I think that Lucci is a bit of a player whisperer, especially with young players. He proved that at Mm -hmm. FC Dallas when he was with their very... uh, And I think he helped build that that, that academy, which is very well known, I think, at this point, maybe even globally, FC Dallas and the players that they're producing. And when he's taken on... Bigger jobs, head coaching jobs with FC Dallas and now with the Quakes. I think he just has a a penchant for getting the most out of his younger players in particular. I think he's got a nice identity, and I love Lucci as a coach. But if he goes to Bologna, Tiago Mata is the coach there. And I had a chance to see Mata play when he was at PSG. I went to a training when they came to New York one time. And this guy, again, he's kind of Sergio Busquets-esque, where he's not a very good athlete. I mean, he's a good athlete, but he's not going to wow you with his athleticism. I should say it like that. But he was running the whole practice possession. There was nobody else that was driving the game kind of Pirlo-esque as well, where you're not running the most, but you are pulling the most strings. And uh, I could see Cade Cal really benefiting from that. And obviously playing in <laughs> Serie A is going to get a probably uh, an education in different things a little bit quicker than maybe he'll see in MLS. But I, I can see the value of him staying maybe for a little bit longer before making the jump. Uh, what are you saying yeah. about Kid Cal? Too
1: early or do you think No, there's here's why I like Bologna for, for him. One, it's owned by Joey Saputo or the Saputo family that owns the Montreal Impact. Um, I think that's a good sign because the director there is former Montreal Impact and former Italian striker Marco Di Valle. Marco Di Valle, comes back to Montreal from, I was was talking to uh, Patrice Bernier uh, at the All-Star game and he was saying that Marco comes back like once a month because the clubs are obviously connected with ownership that he comes to check things out and spend some time in Montreal. And so he sees him. And that to me was like, once I saw this link, I was like, oh man, it's actually a good thing because it's not just a random club watching a random video or having some scout. This is a club that's connected to North America with an ownership group. It's a club with a director that played in Major League Soccer who's spending time here that knows this guy. And and um, a lot of weird things that he does in the box, driving in from the left side to the right. These are all things that made Marco Di a great goal scorer. Small figure, small frame for for a striker, and and really good. So to have Tiago Mata, to have uh, Marco Di Vaio, to have an American ownership group. I think all of those things give you more chances than just like you know the 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 stereotypical like marketing machine or like you know this guy right. could be good. I think there's right. a lot of ties that they're going to get plenty of looks at him if that is indeed true. I like I like the opportunity and then I also like the links back if, it, if it's not working, you know, so yeah, I'm like curious the, I,
0: the the squeeze for this for the quakes because they'd be losing arguably their most marketable player one of the most marketable
1: players. So yeah, but they brought it. in they brought in um, what's his name on loan. Um, um, you know, the guy with the t-shirt wore the t-shirt Greg Berhalter. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the yeah, Matthew uh, Hoppy. Yeah, <laughs> I time. forgot his name last time, too. <laughs> Matthew, Hoppy, you got to get in the news more, man, because you're killing me. Dude. My brain's not working. Uh, all right, uh,
0: and then let's talk a little. Tyler Adams, yeah. uh, Chelsea obviously backed out because they were chasing Moises Caicedo and looking, um, Romeo Lafia as well. But then Bournemouth now apparently is in for Tyler Adams. So, do you think that's a good fit for him up the cherries, or or do you think it's interesting that more teams aren't? interested in activating his release clause which is only 26 million which seems pretty affordable given this transfer market yeah. these days <laughs> that's another but i think counter. maybe that, that that hamstring you know potential issue could be something that could be holding people back they want to see how healthy he is before they commit that type of money which makes sense but bournemouth looks like they're pretty serious and it seems like tyler adams is interested in well as well how are you feeling about potentially uh, tyler adams to bournemouth
1: if Tyler Adams was a 58 year old man looking for a vacation home, I would say Bournemouth would be perfect because it's, nice. <laughs> it's close to the town. Um, you know, um, actually, by the way, I, I, jokes aside, I like I like this again because of the fact that it's owned by Foley Sports and Entertainment, who owns the the uh, NHL team in Las Vegas, the Knights. Their marketing team is starting to build more presence in the U.S. They are looking for these types of things. There are some reasons behind that. Bournemouth was Bournemouth was obvi- obviously like. Up and down, up and down. Didn't know if they were going to survive last year. They end up surviving um, with a few games left in 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 the league play. They, they did lose
0: four straight games to to finish the season. So they kept yeah. it, they made it real close. But yeah.
1: But unfortunately, somebody sucked more than them, uh, and so I think it was like <laughs> two games left in the season they were safe, or three games left in the season. Right, right, safe. right. Um, so you don't have to win them, Jimmy. There's That's nothing true. on the line. What's That's the true. point? You know, uh, right. we're in a vacation town and it's spring. You know, going into summer <laughs> uh, and a holiday. No, but I, 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 do like that. I do think he could be con- uh, a contributor to that, a consistent starter, and actually help the team be better. You know, sometimes we think about like only through the lens of how what makes this player good um, and is good for them, but he can also be improve the quality of the squad by being a strong midfielder uh with a stronger midfielder uh within that team. So I I, I like it for both both sides of the bargain or deal.
0: Yeah, I want to see him stay in the Premier League for sure and obviously prove himself and I think that Bournemouth, they had a 1-1 draw in their first game against West Ham. Could be a great destination for him and I think could help drive that midfield. All right, we're going to take our second and last break of in Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're talking League's Cup. We're talking Neymar choosing Saudi Arabia over MLS and we want to give a shout out to our U15 national team as well so don't go anywhere Welcome back to in soccer. We trust um, Jimmy alongside Heath and uh, we're having fun here today. Like always, which means also because we're having fun, we got to talk about leagues cup. Cause that's been a lot of fun. This particular competition, Heath Pierce. And we know that we're down to four. We have uh, Philadelphia union hosting inter Miami and Monterey and Nashville squaring off. And whenever you might hear this, you know, it's they're kicking off soon. So we're just going to kind of talk about instead of doing a preview and or a recap, we're just going to talk about some of the highlights, everyone, that we've really enjoyed at League's Cup. Obviously, Messi being the clear cut pick of that, but outside of Messi, though, Messi's been tremendous. And adding, Jimmy, Sergio can I, can, can, Jimmy, can yeah, I just, can.
1: can I just point yeah. out real quick that you go. You go to Australia, New Zealand, and now all of a sudden you're the time zone expert of how games kick off and when people will hear things. And like, <laughs> you know, now you're the guy because you're three days ahead of all of us. You know exactly what's going to live and die in time. But, I don't want to. Uh, I should have said
0: spoiler alert. I already know what happens in the League Cup yeah, because I'm living yeah. in the future. And I don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> That's
1: amazing. It's amazing. It it's is amazing. on the side who wins, but yeah, I'll, I'll tell you
0: and I'll tell you how many goals Messi scores yeah.
1: in Philly. Uh, yeah.
0: Let's see. Apparently, there's a there's a big uh, movement to have them boo Messi every time he touches the ball (laughs) ball a lot. So there's a lot of booing (laughs) that's going to happen. But yeah, when I think about Messi's impact, obviously, it's elevated this tournament to another level in particular and and brought a lot of awareness to what's happening. And a lot of questions are being asked, like, hey, what's this competition? And a lot of education about not only League's Cup, but the league overall. And I think that's going to be for the betterment of the league. As people start to demand or ask why are these things in place? And then people are like, I don't know, doesn't make a lot of sense. And hopefully that'll <laughs> and, and just the whole Messi coming to Inter Miami and MLS, hopefully, and, and trying to build a team around him that can be competitive, yeah, will lead to MLS, you know, starting to relax on some of these rules or maybe starting to make them a little less complicated so that everybody can understand what's going on. But Messi comes, obviously performing at a high level. We've seen plenty of superstars come over and necessarily phone it in but have less success immediately so fair play to Messi for coming in and making an immediate difference and then mm-hmm. also attracting the stars we've seen, we've seen a lot of big names uh head wow. over to watch Inter miami play heading up to old fort lauderdale to uh, check out this old Messi guy wearing mm-hmm. a pink jersey and scoring some goals so obviously that's that's a big highlight of leagues cup but there's been some other moments too that i think are are worthy of of talking about some fun stuff we saw Grace's goalkeeper uh guzman noel guzman performing magic tricks before penalties you know oh, yeah, of the best, it's so that good really good and, and and so that gets the big question for everybody listening and watching and for you heath is should we encourage more of this type of behavior especially in a competition like this that's trying to garner more interest where a goalkeepers got those antics and we're adding some more entertainment i actually wouldn't mind the leagues cup went back to the old 35 yard Got to score in five seconds penalties that MLS used to have back in the day because I, it seems like actually a more fair way to try to decide a game.
1: Yeah. I, I was part of the Vancouver game uh, with Leon that went 19 rounds of penalties. You know, it, <laughs> that's it, amazing. It was, uh, that was, that was cool. That was where I was like, you know, <laughs> like, starting. What, what, what are
0: oh, you it talking Cooper, about? That's like, all you're in your, the oh, 12th yeah. kick. You're like, uh, yeah. I hope this I was, guy makes what are you saying? I was doing
1: super sharp analysis, like, ah, oh, you could see in this guy's eyes, you know, and then after like 11 what ended up happening is there was like a few misses in the first 11, three misses that could have Vancouver could have won by Leon missing. Vancouver just needed to score. And it was just like in the world cup the other day, where it's like with France, where it's just like they get a chance to go to win and they miss or they gets blocked. And then like <laughs> after 11, then you can change the order, Jimmy. You can change the order of who kicks um and so it's not the same order again after 11. Wait 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 theoretically you could go back to back kickers yeah I think you can go back to back you could have just gone a goalkeeper 11 goalkeeper 12 in theory wow. I believe I, I could be wrong on, okay, on the 11 okay. to twelve, but everything else I know you can change it um on top of that uh so at first we're like well this person's coming up and you're like that's not the right person that's somebody different uh and then and then after 11 to 19 uh, and stupid story I'm wasting everybody's time with this but like I like it. Keep The goalkeepers didn't go the right way. Nobody went the right way. Nobody saved anything for like seven (laughs) shots, Jimmy. It was just like people like dunked seven in a row that time. Uh, And so it was like this wild thing. But to answer your question, by the end, I was just like, you know what? I got no analysis for this. Let's just like enjoy these penalties because like I get it wrong every time. Like, oh yeah, this young guy doesn't look confident going up to it. Bang, top corner. You know, this guy looks blah, 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 look at his approach. Bang, top corner. So every time I was like hedging, I was way off. And so ultimately though, it's been there's been a lot of fun things. And when you think about a tournament, getting people into it, it's gotta be more than just like good competition. It's gotta be entertaining. It's gotta be things. And you know, I would love to see more things that bring me into the experience throughout the tournament. Um, that, that are fun because those viral moments, like the goalkeeper doing the, you know, pulling the stuff out of his mouth. I just think that's hilarious. And I think (laughs) that's really, really fun. Um, and sometimes fun is good.
0: Yeah. fun is good. And I think that this tournament could probably benefit from marketing around being fun and having these moments there are other moments too, where Nashville Club America, the shootout got decided. Uh, Nashville ended up winning after a retaken penalty, and it took them way too long to decide if that penalty needed to be retaken after the goalkeeper stepped off his line and made the save. Uh, and after Club America fans thought that they won it, the 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 count on social media thought that they had won it, and so these are actually good stories and and moments in this tournament that I think can be used for future tournaments right you can reference we have reference points now hey league's Mm -hmm. cup in this first one club america can come in and be like hey we thought that was bullshit in last year and now we're gonna we're gonna take it more serious or whatever it is right they're gonna they're gonna now have something to work off of and i think that's gonna be cool too as these little rivalries start to get established especially lafc versus monterey lafc's cruising they're up to zero and then in Buwaga scoring goals again, everybody's feeling great. This is the return of the resurgence of LAFC this season. And then they give up three and lose three, yeah. like, two. These are all important elements that I think can make the leagues cup more entertaining, more fun and more spicy, I think, uh, in, in future iterations. So I'm excited about that in in particular so so far so good we'll see how it all goes i'm not going to spoil
1: it i know who gets to the final but uh a little later the, the last thing i would say on the tournament is that that's a it's a massive tournament to put on with this many teams with that many variables right and i think i don't know if there's a way to avoid that or to make that more efficient or whatever there's a lot of travel for teams and you kind of just got to be up for it right which is like oh now we got go to go across country for our next game and play in four days um either that or 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 we got to get some, you know, bigger planes. Uh, and teams got to buy some planes so we can uh, you know, have that type of lifestyle but Do You think like,
0: that uh, uh now that you say that, just very quickly, remember during the pandemic with the MLS's back tournament and all the teams were in one place mm-hmm. and even the Champions League all played in Portugal, right? And everybody was there playing their games so that Everybody being a bubble. I wonder if there's some value of, of maybe regionalizing it, right, where all the teams kind of play in one location. I know that they everybody wants their home fans, so maybe this is me yeah. just talking out of my butt. I but, mean, it could but, be but I just, I for just part like, of it, we, right? Like, yeah. I think for
1: part of it, you could. I mean, the one thing that I got from most people, and obviously this was a really like hard, tragic time in history, right? Of 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 the bubble, because people were like, "Oh yeah, you can go, but none of your family can come," right? Like, and that was. Right. A real, I think that was a different. A different thing for a lot of people and and when you're talking about like intra-border play that could be a really complicated thing for for teams and not being able to have certain people stay there and whatever but i do think that there could be some little ways where you have these like sprints where you're in one place i think they tried to do that in theory right for two of the games in one location if you had a, a Liga Mekis team uh in your group um but yeah i think uh, there's been yeah, some really really yeah. fun stuff at least that 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 brought this to life um,
0: no i'm I'm just kind sort of curious or being trying to be creative logistically about how to make it I was well, talking to hector
1: reyno was in la after the game with monterey and i was like hey man like uh you know he's hanging out with carlos vella i was like hey if you want to add three kids to this hangout mix of a bunch of these kids i'll bring my kids next time and started <laughs> chatting and, and 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 joking around he's like you come into the game and i realized like okay that game was done and i was like but where is monterey playing the next game and then i realized okay now monterey has to go to nashville yeah. um you know they've got a lot of travel and it's 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 covering a lot of ground so i don't know how you fix that because if you could yeah you know yeah um, especially if you want to add in the
0: mexican cities yeah. which i think we should because i think it makes it more equitable but mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see what they do moving forward and obviously there's multiple competitions coming in every summer up until the men's world cup so I don't know. Anyway, let's talk uh, more transfer news. Uh, Neymar decided to not come to MLS and went to the Saudi Pro League. He's going to sign a two-year deal with Al-Hilal. And uh, I don't know. He only signed two instead of three. Maybe he's going to just put it in there, make as much cash as possible, and then make the move to MLS after that ahead of the 2026 World Cup and just give Messi a, a little bit of runway. And then he can be the new splash, the new kid in town. We clearly know he likes the attention. And he likes money because... When he left Barcelona to go to PSG, it felt like a money move because he wasn't going to as competitive of a league. And I was a little bummed. I thought he would come. I thought oh, that he would man. maybe ride the, the Messi hype and, and be one of Messi's quote-unquote rivals in MLS. <laughs>
1: yeah. But yeah, a money money's even money. PSG. Saudis
0: are throwing around some yeah. crazy money right now.
1: Yeah, it's, it's impossible to turn some of that stuff down unless they're going to do a deal. And I think Neymar has enough concerns around his injuries and whatnot at, at his age. I mean, I do like... I like... uh I would have liked to see him because he could have killed people on the dribble and made some really really great highlight reels in a way that like Messi, isn't that type of player Like Messi will do a lot of unbelievable things but to have a neymar you know in the same way that would have been nice to have robinho in his peak career of just being able yeah. to just like sure. chew up players on the dribble um and free up and disrupt defenses like that would have been really good um but i remember talking to somebody that was close to neymar and they were like he's got so many people to pay for in his life that he will always opt towards the next deal. Um, that's going to make the money because he's got like hundreds of people that he's propping up and thousands in, in Brazil from his academy onward that like his plan, his his master plan has a lot more to do with like long-term impact back in his home country for kids and for his family and to set them up generationally um, yeah. than, than, than necessarily putting first like the personal career and advancement of of, of his career.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, if Neymar leaves after two years. But I understand what you're saying. Ruben Neves actually came out. He left Wolves at, what, 27, 28 years old to go play in Saudi Arabia as well. And he he said, my number one team is my family. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that really speaks to your point about Neymar, who who he...
1: Well, you don't want team. him in MLS at that point, right? I'm not saying the Saudi league's bad, but like you're not getting the same... Neymar um 2 years from now as you would today and and you're also not getting the same sort of like sharpness and quality in terms of his development if he came from Real Madrid or whatever Barcelona or
0: you know Right 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 No that's fair so so how do you think this is a big question for everybody How do you think MLS All-Stars would do against the Saudi Pro All-Stars We I think they should have that game Yeah I want to see that game and I wonder if they've even discussed it because It gets you back into the Messi versus Ronaldo conversation. And where would that game be played? There's a lot of questions I have about this. But how do you think they would fare? I don't, I don't, I I guess I'd have to like think through.
1: I mean, I think, I think, right. Saudi, Saudi's 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 a better team, you know, like, because they're just going all in in this brief period. Right. We're not talking. Yeah, they
0: definitely, we could probably put 11 names together from Saudi that, that would be like. Yeah. Like top, top, top. I mean, you have Engola Kante sitting in your midfield. Yeah. You got Ronaldo, Sadio
1: Mane, Karim Benzema. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, yeah,
0: insane. Would, it's insane. It's insane the
1: insane. quality that they, they have. Um, so you'd have to say, like on paper, obviously better than 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 MLS, but they're also, you know, spending outside of any sort of like there's no economic business model. This is like promotion for getting the 2030 World Cup and and the development under um mbs of like the future of the country becoming a destination so there's a lot more to play this isn't about the saudi league right this is about saudi arabia um and that's a different conversation than, than than major league soccer right we're not signing players because of the united states um you know we're signing players in mls because of the growth of mls and, and the sport right. in the us and that's, right. a that's a different that's a different it's a different economic conversation
0: no 100 all right well enough of the transfer news let's do some hyping for our u15 national team heath because these boys absolutely crushed it they won the u15 championship Concacaf championship they beat mexico in the final four to two and you love to see that especially it was in uh dominican republic so it wasn't like we were playing at home where it feels like we have an advantage at, at times but we had a uh a pretty good run so to get to the mexico we, let me say it like this. In the group stages, 3-2, we beat Qatar. We had an 11-0 route of Cuba. Then we shut out uh, Haiti, 3-0. Knockout rounds, we beat Guatemala, 4-1. We had a tough war one against Haiti in the semifinals, winning that 1-1-0, a little bit of a grinding it out, and then obviously started scoring goals again against our biggest rival in Mexico. Uh, Kevin Sullivan was the, well, the golden boot winner, and he is well on his way to having uh, a tremendous career. At, can
1: you see that? There he is What's holding that, it up. I don't know if you can see him. Maybe you can't see it, but like, um, it's it's Sullivan holding up the his his uh his trophy, golden ball. Yeah, it's golden ball.
0: So he plays for the Philadelphia Union Academy, and uh, he got the Golden Boot award. I should have said that. Did I say yeah, Golden Boot, and um, he was Golden Boot or Golden Ball. I think the Golden Boot. Okay. This is Maybe gold. It should be golden a, ball. I bet.
1: I think it's golden yeah, ball. Golden ball. I don't think he was the top scorer. No, he wasn't top
0: scorer. He got He's Chase Adams. Yeah, player of the tournament was uh, Kevin Sullivan. Chase Adams. Um, he scored two goals against Mexico. Plays for the Columbus Crew Academy. Uh, Jameer Johnson, also from Philly, scored as well. And Julian Hall scored for the Red Bulls Academy. So, this is a good sign, right? We talked about it at the beginning of the show that the U.S. Women's National Team or National Team Women's National Teams out there that are having success at the youth level. If you're doing that, then that generation starts to push through and, and showcases that they can win. They have the qualities to win. They know how and what it takes to win. And then when you start to have those star players of those teams get in, it start to penetrate into the first team of, of the full team, then that's where things start to change in a really positive way. So this is a good sign, and I'm very happy for these groups of players because winning is always a good feeling, and that's something they can never take away from you. But uh, pretty big deal here, Heath Pierce
1: yeah uh he is also uh, Kevin Sullivan um, is also capable of uh, playing for for uh, Germany so watch out there um,
0: okay, yeah. you know what I was having a good time and now you've just you've just turned this negative
1: no but I think, I think it is a, I think it is a great thing and it's cool to see again the fact that these guys are academy players and when you think about infrastructure and having a player like Sullivan, who's got so far to go to being like top top tier maybe a year or two out from being, you know, yeah, integrated in and, and he, he's able to be pulled up different age groups throughout the way to, to cater to his development and that ecosystem and that infrastructure is so important to these players' developments that when you think about five, six years ago, or even our own careers, where would you have gone right in an Academy? Like it was either for me, it was IMG, Uh, with the Soccer Residency Academy with the U.S. national team, which was, it was that, or like my friend's dad coaching twice a week while we played tournaments (laughs) on the weekends as all my friends got into like partying in high school and stuff like that. You know, now you have actually like kid who's 14. You're like, okay, we're going to pull him up to the 16s or the 17s or the 18s or the 19s or he's in the first team. And you have an actual um, ability for a kid to not go far from home and and to develop him um, with a bunch of different resources. I'm definitely going
0: with the dad. Every day, (laughs) two days a week and some games on the weekend, because that always sounds like a lot of fun. All right, that's it. I'm calling it a show here for In Soccer We Trust. So on behalf of Producer Des and Producer Alex and Heath, and I guess Charlie Davies, I'm Jimmy Conrad. I want to say we'll see you again on Thursday. That'll be at 4 p.m. Eastern, and we really appreciate everybody listening. So take a minute, if you can, to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform or on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're also available on video as you know so sub- subscribe to us that was hard Sweet. tough for me to say subscribe to us on the youtubes and yes enjoy leagues cup and i hope it goes well and all your favorite teams win
1: and we'll see you in a couple of days later see ya